The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. And Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, welcome to church. Not one stone will be left upon another. All of it will be torn down sooner or later. Just ask some of our spiritual forebears here when they came to the end of the 1940s and discovered that um, the parish had become, the parish building had become the epitome of what I like to call Mill Valley real estate, which is the world's most expensive dry rot, right? All of you who are homeowners or even renters know this. There's always something that needs fixing. And there was so much that needed fixing, they had to tear the whole thing to the ground and start over, which they undertook in the early 1950s. And you get the structure you see now. We invest a lot in our building. We have to to keep it up, to maintain a space for us to gather and worship. But the apocalyptic warning from Mark today is a reminder that when you think of the church, because our language is a little bit sloppy in that regard, don't think of the building. Don't think of the building. Scholars will probably debate till the end of time, or as we like to say, till Jesus returns, about whether This reading in Mark's Gospel is foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem or it's looking back on it after the year 70 AD. The destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem cannot be overstated as a critical turning point in not only our tradition, but also Jewish tradition. The temple had stood in effect for a thousand years as the center of Judaism. In fact, the scriptural tradition and 
the spiritual practice said over and over again, this is where God lives. This is where God dwells. This is God's house. And by the time Jesus was engaged in his public ministry, the temple had undergone a process of being rebuilt and renovated and even expanded and enhanced. A process that started under Herod the Great when Jesus was not even born yet. The problem was in the latter half of the first century, the Romans got tired of dealing with this dusty little country on the east side of the Mediterranean. The Jews were not inclined to embrace the Roman pantheon, were not inclined to embrace the conditions of the Pax Romana, you know, the peace that the Roman Empire brought to the Mediterranean. And more than that, there was an increasing number of insurrections led by Jewish zealots to overthrow the Roman regime. So finally someone decided enough is enough and the Romans marched into Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, destroyed the city, and renamed it. And the Jewish tradition was, after that time, scattered. So incidentally was Christianity. We have a sense in Mark and also in the later Gospels that Christianity, like its sibling tradition of Judaism at the time, was undergoing profound crisis because it was like somebody had taken the heart and torn it out and there was a struggle for what the future of the tradition would look like and there was even the nagging question, would there be a tradition at all to preserve for the next generation? All of us who have lived through the past couple of years have at least an inkling of what that must have felt like. Because we knew when the pandemic started, there was a sense in which the world that we understood was coming to an end. We were entering uncharted territory. And if you remember just over a year ago, it certainly felt like that because it felt like the bottom had dropped out and nobody knew how long this was going to last and whether or not we were going to be able to manage our way through it. It's that kind of calamity that I hear Jesus referring to when he talks with his disciples today. You may not have picked up on it, so it's worth revisiting. It's a pr one disciple who comes to Jesus and is amazed at the city. If you remember, Jesus' followers come from the north in Galilee. Some of them probably haven't seen Jerusalem before. And here is one of his disciples extolling with amazement the permanence, the seeming permanence of the city around them. And then Jesus says, you know, won't be long now. All of it will be torn down. And then do you notice that all of the disciples then come to Jesus and say, what do you mean? So we have this sense in which that first disciple went back and said to the other disciples, you won't believe what he just said. 
sort of like what would you do if I said this building is going to burn down tomorrow? Well, doubtless, some of you would go and be talking to vestry members right now, right? What is going on here, right? That's what happens in today's story. When calamity strikes, who are we? What do we become? And perhaps most importantly for us who live in Southern Marin, what do we do? There's always a question. This is not an academic issue. This debate is going on even today in the wider church. We struggle with the fact that we overbuilt literally overbuilt in the 1950s and 1960s when the church was expanding. And now we have a lot of deferred maintenance to attend to. And I'm not talking about Church of Our Savior, although we do have some of that here, obviously. But I'm talking about the church as a whole. We have a lot of buildings that are barely full on Sunday mornings. And they require a lot of upkeep. We overbuilt as an institution. Now what do we do? There's one school of thought that's pretty radical that says we should just abandon all the vestiges of the institution and be out on the streets. That's the way the early church was. Why can't we do that as well? That we should liquidate everything. Give the money away. Maybe keep a little bit for some paid leadership, but that would be it. There's the other stream, of course, that focuses on nothing but the institution and how do we preserve it and keep it. But then they get fronted with the question, you know, why are we preserving the institution? Well, you've got to be prepared to answer that question or you're in trouble. And then there are those of us who are sort of in the middle who recognize that the value of the institution is that it is a vessel, however imperfect, to carry the tradition on for the next generation. And we invest in it for that purpose so that we don't, generation by generation, have to completely redevelop and reinvent from scratch. Maybe that's over-arguing the point. You tell me. I'm not comfortable with any of those answers. Jesus, as we come to the end of the church year, asks us, what is most important for you in your faith journey? That's why this is called apocalyptic literature. It comes from a Greek word, apocalypsis, which means to reveal or to show what's real. It's not necessarily the end of the world. That's an American understanding, but the earliest understanding was this is about revealing what's true. And most of us know that when we're confronted by crisis in our lives, we discover what's true about ourselves and often about the people who are around us. That, in part, I think is what Jesus is getting at as he's trying to teach his disciples today that the coming calamities of the world, there will always be calamities. We collect them here in California, don't you know? Fire, water, earthquakes, the ups and downs 
of the Bay Area economy. When those calamities come, what will our faith look like? Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize that it's not just this place that has some deferred maintenance. It's this temple, too, right? Our bodies won't last forever, either. All of us have an end to consider. That's part of the point as well, right? All of us have to think about our end as we come to the end of the church year, as we are doing right now. And what is worth holding on to? What is worth letting go of? For our spiritual ancestors living in the latter half of the first century, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple caused such a monumental crisis that the tradition would never be the same again. Rifts that had already been forming between the Christian community and the Jewish community, which it had been birthed in, now widened to the point that they might never be bridged again. The temple priesthood that had lasted and been passed on from family to family, generation to generation, for as long as anyone could remember, was permanently broken. And both Judaism and Christianity had to figure out what came next. What they would invent over the next two centuries would be an incredible departure from anything they had known before. The sacrificial system in the temple was ended. We hear traces of that in that letter today to the Hebrews. Something new had formed, and the center of both traditions, this is something we still have in common to this day, would be found in the congregation here the people gather, which is why ultimately we don't define the church as a building, right? What is the church? We are the church, gather. And the beauty of that is when the calamities of this world come, this church is portable. so too is its cognate in contemporary rabbinical Judaism, the synagogue. It's the community gathered. But more important even than that is the reality that Jesus says all of this, all of these externals are meant to point to one thing. And that is what we have been given to hold on to is not a building or even a particular community at a particular time because as you all know, the faces in this community change month by month, year by year, even week by week, right? 
what we have been given to hold on to is a God who has committed to be in our hearts above all else. Even when the rest of the world is passing away. That is the reality that is being revealed. And it means that we are no longer beholden to those things that are passing away. We are only beholden to God's love for us. Which you know what? May even outlast this. Our temporal bodies. That's good news. And it reminds us as we approach the end of the church year that the end is not the end, but rather a new beginning. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon. Yeah. Uh-huh.